Hello and welcome to the N17 Podcast. My name is Cosmo and tonight I'm joined by Eddie. Yo, 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 yo. We've got Jed. Yo. And we have Glenn. He has some internet problems, so he might be a little bit in and out, but what's the latest, good evening, Glenn? Everyone. Good evening. We're doing good. He's coming live from Sky Sports. He's good. Yeah, because Eddie said, yo, I thought, I, I thought I'd better, better be the one to be a bit more formal tonight. Yeah, to be to be fair, I've got one of the quarter zip jumpers on, Glenn. I know you love them, so yeah, I, I, should, I, should, I should back mine out just for the pod. You introduced Jed as Jed and not as I Spice. I'm not saying yeah, really I'm, nice. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but yeah, we've got a big guest on. We've got a good big guest on the on the pod today. Everyone's got everyone's like everyone's just admitted that they rate I Spice's music. It's quite a dark time to be fair. No, no, listen, Eddie, Eddie tries to make out like it's me. So then I will me, say I make out like it's you. It's Glenn. Yeah, no, he does this to me. Jed, this is, this is text for Eddie. This is text it for is, Eddie. He loves so you. He loves you. All I'm Eddie, saying is Cosmo is, Cosmo has been a day one uh, Cardi B fan. I've said that from exactly. the beginning. Exactly. Okay. You see it now. You see, you see these tactics. And now we've just yeah. seen it. We've, we've seen Ice Spice with you. I'm saying, you know, both, they both have their, 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 their good points, their bad points. Isn't that great? Oh, I don't know why you guys are so defensive about it. No, so no, listen, listen, we ain't got to go around the houses just to come back to the point that you love a minute. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm slightly worried that a lot of our listenership uh, are not even going to know who Ice Spice is, to be honest. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> we need to get to know. I came in to hear about Harry Kane's record. Yeah, I'll be right back. <laughs> Who's all this? Who's this? But yeah, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into. Harry Kane breaking the record. We said when he leveled it on the on the last pod that we would wait to really eulogize until it got to until we hit that two six seven mark. Um, couldn't have done it in a more perfect way. I think we actually said we were like we really hope he doesn't play against Preston just to keep it for for that City game and hopefully he could get the winner against them. Um, obviously with the significance of the the transfer to City not going through as well. A beautiful moment which I missed because I was on a delayed train, so I, I couldn't share in the in the in the um, excitement of it as much. But Glenn, you were at the stadium, right? Yeah, I was at the stadium. Talk us through it. What was it like to see that live in the flesh? It's the best moment and the best atmosphere I've seen at the Spurs Stadium. Probably White Hart Lane included. Um, it was both as emotional as it needed to be. And as poetic as it needed to be, because it was against Manchester City, who was heavily rumoured to be joining last season, having been unhappy at Tottenham. It was perfect. His whole family were there. The There was a thing on the Jumbotron, whatever you want to call it, the big screen in the corner that they already had set up for the game. They knew it was happening. Hoiberg gets the ball. Looks like he's looks like he's doing too much of it. Lays it off to Kane, <laughs> who takes it early, puts it in the bottom corner. Classic Kane finish, and then he looks up at the screen, and you can almost see like the tear in his eye as he pauses to look at the screen after he celebrates in front of the City fans. He did fail to kiss the badge in front of them, which it, we in the group chat <laughs> did 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 get onto him a bit about. But <laughs> it just, in my opinion, cements him as the best Spurs player of our lifetime. And probably of all time. I wasn't able to see some of the greats, obviously, but in my lifetime he's the best. That that's that's quite simple for me. Yeah. I actually think the club handled everything on the day like so well. Um I thought the the graphic that you mentioned on the on the screen was like it was really classy, but like everything down to the presentation. I just think it was just a really like feel good moment to be a Spurs fan, and it's, that's something that we haven't had in a long, long time. And it, it it does it, you know, it felt good to just to just kind of celebrate Harry. I was kind of, I was just like, fuck it, I'm just gonna put every piece of Harry Kane propaganda on my Insta story. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna, you know, like we got kind of give these players their flowers while they're around, and um, not that Kane particularly would care that he's on, he's made it to Cosmo Tears Insta story, but do you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like we kind of have to show off about about these players a bit and like appreciate that we have 
a player like Harry Kane, like who's come through our academy and become world-class, as has been said on a few pods that I've listened to this week, this is a £150 million plus striker who's just, he's literally come through the academy. He's like, it's from just up or down the road to us. I'm not sure which way Chingford is officially. Um, But, you know, like he played for, I think at one point he played for Ridgeway Rovers. Like Jed, me and you, we've played against them when we were kids. Yeah, It's... It's really surreal that we've produced this just like genuinely one of the greatest players of all time. Really, when you think about it, he 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 really is one of the best strikers to ever have existed. Um, yeah, Jed and Eddie, I don't know who wants to jump in, but what was it like actually seeing it live? I'm so sorry that I didn't get to see it live, to be fair. Uh, well, I think I've got an even better, because um, obviously my dad's a City supporter, so it felt doubly good. Um, just because obviously the game meant a lot for City. It was an important match. And when I saw the lineup um, when it came out, I thought, listen, this team is like a team that we can get. They, they don't have that they, they don't have that kind of creativity from Cancelo anymore. They don't really have that bite in defense. For some reason, Diaz and Laporte just are either not fit or not in favour. I just thought it's perfect for a Harry Kane to turn up for a, a vintage human song performance. Um, and I just loved the way that we got the goal. It was aggressive. We were on the front foot. And to be honest, I think one of the best things about it, it wasn't a perfect finish. It was almost like a scuff. And in that position, you kind of almost want a scuff because getting a clean contact, you, you know, anything can happen. But with that, it's so unpredictable. Um, he just knows where the goal is. And over, oh, I don't know, yeah, any of the other 266 goals that he scored, you can just tell that he knows where the goal is. Some of them obviously tap in, some of them from outrageous angles and, and um, distances, but that was a, just a striker's goal. And that's what he is. He is a fantastic, uh, incredible, beautiful striker. Um, and... It felt good. My dad was angry, upset. I was elated. Um, It was a good moment. And going back to what you said, Cosmo, Payne has been a, has been, I don't know how to say it. He's been, he's been kind of subject to his own success. He's been, because of the fact that he's been so consistent, so good over such a long period of time, he doesn't get his flowers. We we obviously eulogise about him every week, but the the reality is at the end of the season, Humington wins Player of the Year for the club. You know, Alderweireld's won Player Player of the of the season for the for the club. Fantastic players, no doubt, but you know, in reality, they're probably second to Kane in pretty much every season that someone's won it, and it's because he has been so consistent and successful that he hasn't had that moment to himself um, apart from when he maybe burst onto the scene um, early on in his career. And so I think it's just fantastic that the conversation about him is not about him moving away. It's not about him um, not performing. It's not about him choking in, 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 in big games. It's a conversation about how brilliant he's been for Spurs um, since he came in uh, for an injured Soldado. Yeah, I think one of the um, incredible things about Kane is his evolution as well. And the fact that there's been so many different iterations of Kane. Um, Jed, would you say we're seeing kind of peak Kane or kind of your favourite version of Kane? Um, if not, which which is your kind of your favourite iteration? Um, I don't know if I, if I necessarily have a favourite because I think in every stage of Kane's development, I've liked, well, I think all of us have liked every single version of Kane I think the version of Kane that came through was um he was he was a player he 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 was he was never rapid but like so for example like in that first season where he came through was was it 14-15 when he properly came through um I think so yeah there was there a couple of I, I went through the video that Spurs posted um and a couple of the goals from that season it was getting the ball on the edge of the box rolling a man like comfortably but then, like having that, like turn of pace to get away from them, um, and then just like the goals against Chelsea come to mind in the five-three, 
mm. where he rolls. I, I don't remember who he rolls, but then holds him off. Or he, yeah. And then he just slots into the bottom corner. And another thing about that is that, um, that season in particular, I really didn't realise how many goals he scored that season. I thought it was more so like 15, 16, where he probably started to take off. But I was watching that video and I was thinking, fucking hell, this is all in the 14, 15 kit. I was thinking, I don't remember him scoring this many goals. And um, considering it was his first season, I think he got 20 plus in that season. Um, And then you sort of had, I'd say you had that version of Kane for about three years. And then you sort of had maybe after for another two, three years after that, I think you just had pure poacher Kane um, in terms of just being in the box and us creating chances for him. And then obviously after that, you've had when Mourinho started to come in. Um, and it wasn't just Mourinho who made him this player. I think like for a year, a year or two prior to that, you could sort of see he was developing his game in terms of being able to spray passes. Um, but Mourinho really took that to the next level with him. And he's just he's just added absolutely everything to his game now. Um, he's been our main creator for at least four or five years now, probably. Um, as well as still being the top goal scorer. And that's, the, like you said, Eddie, that's the thing. He, ne- he never really, it's, it's become so normalised with Kane now. And I think we have all taken it for granted that the level, it, it's just, I think that James Moore said it on that View from the Lane podcast. It's like, it's it's a constant in our, in our lives now where he just scores every week and we don't really bat an eyelid about it. Um, as you said, Cosmo, it's a £150 million player and I would I dread to think where we would be now if we didn't have Kane and how many strikers we would have gone through and how much money we would have, would have spent on strikers. Um, listen, now hopefully, I, I think I hope that moment he had in the stadium the other day um, with the fans, obviously his family being there, I hope it's sort of like formed a bit of a stronger bond w- with him and the club. Um, and hopefully now he's sort of looking to stay here beyond his, when his contract expires. Do we think things might have changed um, in terms of like Kane getting his flowers now that he has become like an undisputed club legend? Because to me, at least, it does feel like now we literally have like a legend on the pitch um, and he's and he's still playing at, at his peak levels. Whereas before, it was a bit more what you said, Jed. It's just like, it's Kane and we know he's incredible, but we kind of just, it, it's the Kane we expect. Whereas now... It's so weird, even though it's just one goal that's taken him to breaking a record. And it's, you know, it's one of 267. He's been doing it um, for so long, regardless. But that goal and that record kind of has kind of changed how everyone's perceptions of him, I think. But potentially people outside of Spurs. Don't know what you guys think of that. Yeah, I I, I think I was, I was going to say this as well um, at the start. This This one goal that sort of like taking him past Jimmy Greaves and sort of like taking him into the 200 club simultaneously. He, um, he's now in that conversation with when is he going to beat Rooney and Shearer? It's, it's not if he's going to beat Shearer anymore. Like it's, it's when. And people are now having the conversation about is he the best striker that the Premier League's ever seen? And And I think he has to be. He has to be because... Whether he beats Shearer's record or not will depend on whether he stays in the Premier League rather than whether whether he, I don't know, whether he finishes his career at Tottenham is whether he stays in the Premier League. Now, that that's the only reason that he won't beat Shearer's record and he has to be considered the best striker of the Premier League era because he can do so much more than Rooney and Shearer were able to do. And he's done it in like the rate that he does it as well. So the assists that he gets, the creativity, what he's done for Spurs, like it, the the list of stuff that he can do better than Rooney and Shearer is endless. Rooney's career fell off a cliff at like 29 years old. He like descended into like an old, fat, like terrible player who ended up playing at Everton on loan. Like, Kane is now still playing at the top level, beating like beating defenders like he's like twenty one years old. 
he, he's still got that turn of pace past defenders. I don't even know how he has it. And it's it's just ridiculous how good he is. It's, honestly, he's probably the best... Well, in my opinion, he's the best striker of the Premier League era. And I think he's only second best player of the Premier League era, maybe to Omri. And I know a lot of Spurs fans won't want to hear that, but I, that's like my opinion. Jed, what it's, are you thinking uh, about that? Uh, no, I mean... I mean, we don't. I saw, I, you, I saw you making a face, so. No, no, I, I don't no, know I'm if not that's... anything about Kane. And this yeah, is, yeah. I don't have any rival fans that um, would listen to this podcast anyway. But you know what the debate is. It's, it's all about uh, he, he, he can't be considered a great. He hasn't won any trophies. And look, I, I'm, not, I'm not buying into that debate. That's all bullshit. Like, people, when you talk about the top scorers, and it's, it's been said a lot this week, and I feel like because this podcast. It's probably coming out a lot later than other Spurs podcasts. A lot of the points have already been said. But when you look at Alan Shearer, you don't think, oh, yeah, won the league at Blackburn. You see him because he's a top goal scorer. Wayne Rooney, okay, he, he obviously has a bit more of a legacy because he won a lot at United. But I think you still you still think about Rooney, about the goals he scored and the way that he played. And I think it's the same for a lot of those strikers who are in the list. Probably in the top 10, there's there's players who have scored 150 goals plus and you you don't think of any players about the trophies they've won. That's just, it's just people love to use that when that argument when it suits them and it'll, it'll always be aimed at Kane because Kane plays for Spurs and the narrative yeah. of Spurs is that obviously we haven't won a trophy in a long time and we love, we love to get, fans love to use that stick to beat us with but ultimately it doesn't care. He's going to go down as the best striker in the in the Premier League and quite frankly I think they're just jealous that they haven't got that and little old Spurs have managed to get that and not have to pay a penny for that Do you know what makes me laugh is that like I remember growing up when um, we won the the Carling Cup um, the argument used to beat Spurs down was oh but you, you'll never get into the top four like you'll never you're not a Champions League team so like everything you do is kind of irrelevant it does kind of make me think that like I think people just love to hate on Spurs. I don't, I don't know what it is, but we are just like seen as like an intruder in the top six or top four. Like people just don't like seeing Spurs being there. So look, if he wins the FA Cup at the end of the season, they'll they'll just find a new thing to say. They'll say, oh, but he never FA. won the league. It's only the FA Cup. One in exactly. 15. Yeah. So what? Yeah. If you're just watching football, and look, obviously, obviously, everyone wants their team to win stuff. But if you're just watching football because trophy is the only trophies are the only thing that matters, then you're not watching it for the right thing. You have to, you have to enjoy all these things that happen along the way. You have to enjoy having the best player of your, of your club's, um, pretty much your club's lifetime, being there in your lifetime. You have to enjoy the semi-finals against Ajax. Yeah, we didn't win, but. You, you watch football and, and you're you're living it in the moment. If you can't enjoy those moments, then what's what's the point? Yeah. I also think that um we're living in a really weird this is this is almost beyond football, like in such a recyclable, like kind of encyclical kind of thing where like things get discarded so quickly. Um and like I saw a tweet about United potentially getting um, bought by whatever, Qatari um, or Ratcliffe. And um, like a lot of the responses were, yeah, oh, yeah, I think like we, we deserve this after like all the years of like paying since Sir Alex Ferguson. I'm like, since Sir Alex that Ferguson? Is, that is the worst. I hate it when they say stuff bro, like that, man. Bro, what are you talking about? Like, this is one of the most decorated clubs in UK history. And, and, and I think that because there are so many fans like that, admittedly they're probably quite young, but like because there are so many fans like that, you kind of get drowned out by kind of all that cuffiness noise, and it all it's just all nonsense at the end of the day, um, because Micah Richards talking about Shearer, Rooney, Kane, and Micah Richards has won the Premier League. No one remembers Micah Richards for winning the Premier League. <laughs> You know what they remember him for? Laughing on Sky Sports. <laughs> I was just, I was literally just thinking that, man. What they remember him for being on a league of their own. Like that's what he's remembered for. I'm not saying he's a bad player. 
I remember liking him when he was playing at City, but just because he won the, the the league with City, he had one appearance in the Champions League or whatever. Then no one's remembering him for that. They are what they are going to remember is someone who played fantastic football. And Kane is not even going to be one of those streaks won't forget ballers. He will be remembered in the annals of Premier League history as one of the greatest strikers that ever played in in the Premier League. And surely, yeah, maybe down the line, 30, 40 years from now, um, you know, whatever the if football still exists the same way it does now, um, he will have to be in those conversations, regardless of whether he wins the Premier League or not, regardless of whether he wins an FA Cup or not. Do you know what I mean the FA an FA Cup, for instance, is not going to have any relevance to his to his uh, to his stature in league history, Premier League history. So it is just all a bit of an a, 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 it's just a straw man argument. Yeah, you bring up something that I really wanted to mention, which is the City cheating scandal. Um, so the Premier League have brought charges against City and it seems pretty clear that they have cheated, which everyone knew all along. Like it was just a complete open secret. Like people would joke about it, be like, oh yeah, like, oh, they've got a new sponsorship from Etty Select, but um, which is actually their owners, like spending 400 million to sponsor a training ground. And everyone kind of was, was just like, yeah, like this is... This is normal. Like we we just normalized what the Premier League has now called cheating because um uh the United Arab Emirates have had decided to buy a really small club, let's be honest, like a small club, and build them up to the status where they win trophies every single year. The end result of this cheating was very, very nearly them artificially taking away the greatest Tottenham Hotspur player of all time because he is constantly berated for not winning trophies. So they literally, very nearly last summer, killed a fairy tale in which Kane goes on to surpass Jimmy Greaves' record um, purely because they're, they're able to funnel money and cheat in a way that makes them a desirable club to join. And to think that what we saw on Sunday was very nearly never in existence is actually a disgrace. Like, it actually makes me feel sick that that nearly happened. Um, and I, I, I'm really glad now that football is kind of like waking up to the fact that we have been seeing something that's just not normal and shouldn't really be allowed to happen. But, you know, it's... <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm just ranting, but, you know... I still think, I think the, the thing is, as with any kind of process like this, it's going to take at least a few years to, to investigate and to come to a conclusion... And this is the problem, is that two or three years down the line, are people going to care as much as they do right now? Because they should. And and the thing is, this is going to happen more. Newcastle are getting an injection of cash. United might get an injection of cash. We're talking about United with an unseemly amount of debt. How is that going to just go away? How how are they going to be able to, to fund that? Yes, they make a lot of revenue, but like this is going to happen all over Europe. And... The reason why we overlooked it in the Premier League is because the spending is already so obscene. Like the football that we we grew up on when we were kids, and you know we had Thompson on our kit, and they used to just go out and play football. Even at that point, you had your Roman Abramoviches coming into in, into the Premier League and changing the the, the the playing field, and you know it's heading into a very dangerous like. Uh, a dangerous situation um, where clubs like Chelsea are spending more than entire leagues are in transfer windows and that just can't run and so you're going to you're going to have less and less of these fairy tales because football is becoming more and more of a, of a mercenary sport and um, it just makes it more special I think it makes moments like Sunday way more special because like for I've got like a good example. Anthony Gordon, for instance, um, grew up at Everton, uh, played for the youth team, got into the first team, and then within two seasons, he's not turning up to training. You know, three, four days in a row, just to force a move to a club who've recently got new owners, and they're just able to spend forty million by him, get him out of his boyhood club, couldn't care less about them, and that's what football is turning into now. You're not going to have an Anthony Gordon who plays for Everton for 12 years. 
it's just not going to happen. Yeah, like it's 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 really similar to the to the like some debate that I was having with someone the other day, like how many London, like people from like young people from London now support City, and like it's it's crazy to me. Like no, they're not from Manchester in any way, shape, or form. None of their family are from Manchester. None of their family have supported Manchester City. But I'd say it's like a large, large proportion of young people in London are now growing up City fans because they've been winning stuff. That's not what football's about. Like that club has, as you said, Cosmo, is is taken two players from teams that were really struggling in the last couple of years. Who knows what impact that's that's actually had at those clubs? Leeds United could get relegated from the Premier League their best player well one of one of the two best players at their club was bought by City in the summer because of their ability to offer these players more money yeah and to just and sit on their bench money on the side that's crazy they did it to Jack Grealish as well and they and he sat on the bench for how long they did it a long time ago with John Stones with Everton they've done it a long time with a long time ago with Spurs luckily we came across an unbelievable right back in Kieran Trippier, who replaced him very easily. Like, well, this has been going on a long, long time. Like, they've been signing some of the best players from Premier League clubs and clubs around the world, and like tearing holes in teams. Yeah. The, another thing is that they're like the 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 Super League that was supposed to happen last year. The Premier League basically is that now. Yeah, we've got teams like we, we team, we, we've got teams like Chelsea, Newcastle, City, Man United, Arsenal. I'm going to say Tottenham are included in it because we have spent like a reasonable amount of money in the last few years, and the debt that we have is all invested in like a stadium that's worth that amount of money now. Like, it, it's worrying. It's really, really worrying because I think that if if the Super League isn't formed in actuality, like the actual Super League, like that European Super League or whatever, teams are just going to get absorbed by Premier League teams. Like owners of Premier League teams are just going to make like Milan um, or like other teams. They're just going to buy them up and then make them subsidiaries to the Premier League. Because it's happening. It's happened already with City. They've bought up. Like Ooh, a group yeah. of like teams, Ooh. yeah, and and they and they're using them as feeder clubs. Like it's crazy, it's mad. Yeah, that's true. It's true. I... Down the league though, as well. Yeah, you see, like Bournemouth and Southampton, their teams in, like, they're they're both in the relegation places, and they they've gone and spent sixty million in a January transfer window. Fuck, and look, obviously, I know there's a lot more money in the Premier League now, but like. There's no way teams like Southampton and Bournemouth should be able to attract the players that they're attracting, be able to spend that much money knowing that they could very well go down. And players are willing to join because they know the money is going to be good for them as well. And obviously the Premier League is a really good stage to showcase your talent. But like, I completely agree. It It is very worrying because... Eventually, we're just going to end up having all the talent in this league, and yeah, that's it's going to be good to watch. But essentially, like you said, it is a super league, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know for the for the competitiveness of of the rest of Europe. I don't. Yeah, I, don't really, I, don't I think fans of like other leagues, like particularly the Serie A, like they feel like that's happened already, and like you definitely see that if you follow a few of them on Twitter. Um, Serie A spending in January was so little, like especially compared to the Premier League, but like. I don't know. It might have touched a hundred million. I don't think it even did. Whereas Premier League, the figure in my head is like something like seven hundred million. I'm not sure. But the, the kind of the perverse thing is that this is celebrated as like something that is great. Like literally, like Sky Sports will be like, "Oh yeah, look at how much money the Premier League has spent. Oh, isn't it like fantastic?" And there's never really, you never really hear much debate as to like, okay, but what are the consequences? of this um on on world football um 
But yeah, I do, I do love how us talking about Kane's record has <laughs> turned into us like almost doing like a eulogy for European football. Um, well, I think he um, he represents like what we enjoy about the Premier League. If we're not trying yeah. to be like too Brexit about it, it's like players that have grown up in the league that have like come through the ranks that are playing for the the club that they love and they're performing for that club. Like, obviously, you're always going to have support from players coming into the league. And the Premier League is arguably the best league in the world. There were often debates, like, I don't know, five, six years ago, like, Syria, Syria, Syria not really Syria, but La Liga having the most quality in like the, in the top, uh, in the top half of the table, you know, the top three or whatever. But I think you can see that everyone wants to watch the Premier League. Everyone wants to play in the Premier League. Um, but you kind of have to keep that sanctity, you kind of have to protect the the values of the Premier League. And if it's just about viewership and if, and if it's about money, then that's going to translate into the clubs and the players. Um, and I think that what you have with Harry Kane is someone who appears to like just love playing football, like loves playing football for Spurs, like loves the the club, loves the, his like his teammates. Um, and I think that, yeah, like you said earlier, I think some people are just jealous that they don't have players like that they can they can refer to their club. They, they've got players that have been brilliant that have played at their club and moved on, but I don't think too many player too many clubs have their own Harry Kane's, which is the reason why he gets talked of in the same breath as Shearer and Rooney's, because those are the only real his only real peers, in my opinion. Right, let's go to a quick break um, and then come back to part two. Right, welcome back to part two. Um, I was going to say off the back of the kind of the feel-good factor of the of Kane getting the record and also just generally playing a lot better um, and getting a like very satisfying win over City where I think even though we had less possession, we looked very in control. Um, probably the best performance of the season, to be honest. Is this feel-good factor going to give us a springboard to kind of build on for the for the second half of the season because we are well placed like we're about to play Milan they're not in in a very good run of form to say the least um decent draw in the FA Cup and fourth looks like it could be fourth or third looks like it could be opening up a little bit so is this is this something to build on because there is still uncertainty Conte's you know health situation I suppose yeah and you're always looking nervous whenever Cosmo asks a question yeah, it's, it's it's techie because because well, I raised something too positive and Glenn's like, as soon as as soon as people start getting positive, I, I get a bit I get a bit nervous that something's about to happen, and that's exactly how I felt this morning when the Larice injury was announced, because now we have to play like ten our next ten games, which we were like we as 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 like a group chat and a, as a podcast were, were quite looking forward to in the next run of games. A lot of teams that are out of form. A lot of teams that look like we could, like, sort of almost take advantage of it at this at this point of the season, where where we we're looking to bounce like bounce back from a few bad results just after the World Cup. We've got a full squad, got some new players in that look really good, and we could give them some minutes. But with Conte being like away, you don't know how long he's going to be like recovering for, and then the the Larice injury, and then. Just little little things. Just they don't they don't they don't sit well with me right now. I'm just getting a bit Romero nervous. Red cards. Yeah, Romero red cards. It's only one game against Leicester, but he is a really key player. And it just like if we if we can secure the next one or two games without like too many hiccups, without any like challenges from really quite poor teams. I think I think I think we could use this as a run, but. It's just it's just that next couple of games where Forster has to be bedded in. We don't know if Conte is going to be back against Leicester. The Champions League's always techie. I like, I don't I don't want to assume anything about that because Milan, who've been absolutely awful in the league, could go on and just like smoke like smoke us. And because we we were we weren't doing that well in the league the year that we went to Champions League final, we didn't win an away game for like six months or something. 
yeah it, it, I, I just get a bit nervous when everyone gets optimistic and there's a few things going wrong yeah i i mean i did see something quite worrying about the the larice situation because i think you know us included i think pretty much everyone's been saying like larice has been very shaky lately wouldn't mind forster coming in but now it's actually happened i think we're a bit like oh shit like the reality is quite different from the kind of the thought exper- experiment um I did see a worrying stat where it said that Forster's save percentage in his best ever season was 66%. And Larissa's right now is 66%. So we think Larissa's having like an absolute shocker. This is forced. That would be Forster at his absolute best. Depends how much you put into stats, but it's he was, kind of... he, he was at some pretty poor teams though. Yeah, That's yeah. true. That's true. He faces way more shots than he would at Spurs. Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the question about momentum is it's a it's a good one to raise, but at the same time, we kind of spoke about it this week in the group chat, Cosmo, and I think as much as the situation at Spurs definitely seems to be heading in a better direction, and there's definitely a lot more optimism around the club at the minute, I think... It's, it, it still feels volatile in a way where if we were to go and lose to Leicester on the weekend now, I feel like literally all of that enthusiasm is just zapped straight back out of us. Even if if we lost that and then lost to Milan, then that's like, we're almost back where we are. And the, the pod's been pretty positive at the minute and I don't want to make it too negative. But again, I think this it's, it's all caused because the uncertainty around the direction of the club in general. We still don't know um, what's going to happen with Conte. Uh, we still don't know if Kane's going to sign his new contract. And that's that's why, as, as gassed as I was after the City win, it was a brilliant win. It was our best performance of the season. I think they're, they're the moments you really want to be able to use as a point to think that like, we are proper building to, towards something here. And like, don't get me wrong, after after results like that, it's hard not to feel like that. But I feel like again, as I just said, that like if we were to lose a couple of games, then I think I think people are just back to where they are. And I think really that comes down to the situation of the club at the minute, with obviously Paratici, Conte, Kane's future, the ownership issues. I think there's still a lot of issues to be resolved. So as listen, as long as we're gonna keep winning games, it'll it'll get forgotten about. And we definitely do have a great chance in the FA Cup. We've obviously got FA Cup. We've got Champions League in the next next couple of weeks. So if we can get a couple of wins in those and keep going along nicely in the league, then I'm sure we can sort of like just forget about it until until we have to deal with it. Yeah, uh, Leicester away does feel like a bit of a potential banana skin. I don't know why because like when I was looking at it, kind of like objectively, I was like they've been absolute muck this season. So we should just put them aside but I don't know now it's actually here I'm like Sanchez could be tricky Sanchez and Forza yeah exactly so Emerson's got to stay Emerson's got to stay as well I, I, yeah I, I honestly agree which is the crazy thing but listen wow, don't make wow. Like the people are you seeing now people, people were trying to like find a way to shoehorn um, horror right. into the side by moving Emerson to right centre back I'm not having that at all. No, I'm not see that, no, I don't think that would work personally. I'm not trying to see that. No, he can't. No, imagine him like a, a, a striker playing out to the back post where he's defending it. <laughs> it's more just. It's more the image of like him carrying the ball out of defence and looking for a pass that makes me really <laughs> shook. That's spooky. Yeah. Well, and, and is that image any better than Sanchez doing the same? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just imagining him like no look passing it out of defense, like straight to their centre mid. Yeah, I think um the the worry is again they had a good win on the weekend, and also one of the things that we always struggle against an informed striker, and and Ian Atcho has just managed to pick up some form right before we play Leicester. We managed to let an out of form, absolutely honking Pats and Dakar score we made him look terrific against us last season and so I, I can only imagine what someone like Kelechi can do against Sanchez um or a, like a, a dyer who's not on the top of their game um so I'm a slightly worried about that 
I do think that they're they're on a descendancy, we're on an ascendancy, um, and historically we've we've always just done really well against Leicester, um, and so in that sense, I don't think it's. I, I think we'll still win it. May, maybe not as convincingly as we would like, but I think the the good thing about the City performance is that the plat like the reason we we played well were things that we haven't seen this season as of yet. A really good Son performance, a bright Son performance. We carried the ball, shielded the ball, um, took players on and looked creative. Hoiberg being tenacious without being clumsy in in, in midfield. Um, like Dyer putting in one of his performances of, of, the, of the last few seasons. Um, and Lloris not making too many individual errors apart from towards the end. And those are things, like collectively, those are things that we haven't seen um, in a while. And you think that that's potentially not, like, you would hope that that's not like a one-off, that actually we're getting to a point in the season where things are starting to gel. Um, and we, we are starting to see um, to see players, you know, come to the forward. And even Emerson, which we just mentioned, a, a really, really positive Emerson performance, um, whether that be because of the introduction of Poro to the squad and, like, genuine competition for places, um, likewise for Son with Dan Juma coming in. Um, it, these are the sort of things that you want to see when signings come to a club um, and or when you're like, it, when you've had that meeting that they supposedly have before the Fulham game, where you're like, okay, we want to kick on the second half of the season. These are the signs that you want to see. And so I think I'm a lot less nervous about this Leicester game than I would have had we played it before this the City game that just went. Yeah, I suppose you would say like on paper, Fulham away is a much trickier fixture than um, Leicester away this season. So like we have come through some tough tests and um, on Emerson Royale, actually, Eddie, like I think he's been really good since I think City away, but possibly even before that. Like he's just, um, I think it's down possibly to the tweak that, that Conte's made where he is playing more of like a, more in the half space when he's going forward. And I think... He's always linked up quite well with Kulu, to be honest, uh, even last season. The problem comes when you want Emerson to attack too much. And that probably came from Kulu being injured, to be honest. Um, and that's another thing. Obviously, we've, we can't have too many good things at Tottenham Hotspur because Lloris is now injured after, you know, we were on such a high. But like, I was going to say that like, this is the first time where we haven't had any real major injuries and that's why the substitutes bench was looking so good as well was because we finally had everyone available like we forget that like there's been periods where we haven't had Benson Kuhl there's been huge periods where we haven't had Kulisevsky and it's it's gonna affect any team compare it to Arsenal that they haven't had a major injury this whole season yeah, and but but even that that's that's came after what after the World Cup breaks when they've been able to build huge amounts of momentum. We couldn't do that at all. Um and I have seen the argument put around by some people that we might actually be seeing this kind of this whole second half Tottenham we're saving ourselves until after the World Cup come into play. Um what do you guys make of that? It's all it's gonna be about fitness, isn't it? And I know Glenn was trying to say that also Richarlison, we haven't had him for large amounts of the season as well. Um, it's, it's literally all going to be about uh, fitness and also like being brave. I think there's, there's something, there's something for football. You talk about tactics, you talk about um, just kind of like figuring teams out, taking it game by game. But like in situations like this, where we're seeing, you know, United are currently dropping points, Newcastle are, are drawing all over the gaff. Um, you want to be able to be like, be brave, go be be aggressive against Leicester. Tottenham have always struggled in these positions where there's a there's a the gate has been opened. Do you know what I mean we have an opening here? Do you take it? And so many times we've not taken it. And in order to do that, you have to be brave. And I think the atmosphere that Conte has created of like not being satisfied with. Um, not being satisfied with mediocrity, even though sometimes he does like stand by players that we don't think are good. Like, but the 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 appetite to win, um, 
is going to propel us through this this part of the season. And whether that's going to be like, okay, that extra work in, in pre-season, um, I mean, that our fitness levels are, are are starting to kick into gear, whereas other um, clubs are going to struggle uh, fitness-wise. Whether it's going to be that or whether it's just going to be like desire, um, it's, it's just going to be another thing. What do we want at the end of the season? Um, that's going to propel us through the second half of the season, I think. I did want to um, mention some of like the better performances against City as well. Like we touched on Emerson, um, but Hoybier as well looks back to his best after kind of struggling a little bit after the World Cup. Um, obviously, I didn't see the whole game. Uh, saw from about sixty-five minutes onwards, and then watched the highlights. I also, from what I saw in the highlights, I really liked Benson Kerr as well. Um, I just. I think we're so lucky to have a player of Benson Kerr's quality. I actually love him. He's so classy. The way he can like keep the ball, the way he can kind of like maintain possession when he's on the ball himself. Like, um, yeah, I'm, I am feeling quite good. And like, there's, there's players like Richardson and Dan Juma who aren't even being involved yet. Um, Kudasevsky again, he had a good game. So I think things could be looking up. Let's hope. Let's, let's, you know, keep our fingers crossed and hopefully things will be all right. Um, how are we feeling ahead of Milan away as well? Uh, obviously in the Champions League, Glenn's shaking his head. They are terribly out of form and they have a goalkeeper, that a second goalkeeper that is letting everything in. Um, does make me a bit worried about what will happen with having Forster in there, but yeah, what that, can we expect? It's, 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 it's almost similar to the Leicester game on the weekend. Like, Ward has been questionable for a lot of this season and it still seems like it's just a banana skin waiting to happen. M- Milan are never going to like turn turn up in the Champions League and roll over. They have some very, very quality players who can produce quality moments. So I, I, I never want to write a team off based on their league form. But it is a fixture we should be winning. We finished top of our league our group, sorry, to to get a better draw, we should, in theory, be winning these sorts of games. If we want to go to any stage, like any decent stage of the competition, we should be winning these games. But away from home, it just seems like a bit of a banana skin with like Conte's ties to the Italian league, etc., etc. I'm just a bit hesitant to be like, yeah, we're going to win it. I'm. Um... I'm really looking forward to the to the Milan game, man. It's a uh, no, 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 no. Glenn, Glenn's thinking I'm totally gonna. I, I just mean in terms of like we we haven't obviously haven't been in the Champions League for what, three four years now. Um, I'm just really excited to see us playing a knockout Champions League game again, uh, and a meaningful game as well because the 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 group stages of the Champions League is always a bit like. I don't know. It can be a bit turgid, um, and we didn't have a, we didn't have any glamour ties, did we? Is it, yeah, and it's that as well. Like we didn't play any of the of the top dogs, but going away to someone like Milan, we've obviously we've obviously got history with them. We've we've played them in a knockout tie before, um, so there's a little bit of narrative there. Uh, I'm just really looking forward to it, to be honest, man. And I'm looking forward to. I think I think it's more the state of the squad that is like sort of exciting me about it. Um, knowing that if if we're maybe not in the best position in the game, we can turn to players of of quality. Um, and this is this is what you need when you reach the later stages of the Champions League. You need to have you need to have that depth if if things aren't going right. Um, not looking at your bench and seeing your only options being Harvey White, Saar, and we love bringing on Ben Davis or Sanchez in like the 70th minute as Conte well. Conte loves that substitute. <laughs> love I, I always that. cringe when he does that. I'm like, how is this going to change the game at all? I don't know what he thinks it's going to do. The new one is Cess. The new one is Cess. He loves bringing Cess and John on. He loves he it. You're so right. It. It's awful. It's horrible. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing us in, in a knockout tie again. And I think it's because over the past week, I've, I've sort of revisited the Ajax... Um, BT no filter which by the way the no filter thing that BT used to do was actually class it was it was so good bro. the the 
the way they encapsulated uh, all the emotions from the from the tie it was just it was amazing um so yeah I, I, i'm quietly confident i should be more confident than i am because obviously milano in some bad form but we haven't been overly convincing in champions league but i guess we'll see yeah, I, I'm going over there, and I'm actually I'm gassed. I'm gassed. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going. I'm going. Don't have tickets yet, so if if you're listening and you're a bit of a plug, then then hit your boy up. But um, but yeah, no, I'm definitely going. Um, yes, yeah, staying in in Rome with my family and then getting the train down there. But yeah, no, I've never been there. And these are the kind of the these are the trips that you want to get. Like when you're in Europe, you want to be able to be. The, to have an excuse to like go and watch Spurs away in Milan, like it's it's really yeah, it's a gassy one. Like it's it's going to be really good. It's going to be a really good away day, I think. Also, as well, like I think don't get me wrong, there's obviously great teams in the Champions League this year, but there's also a lot of like traditional big teams who aren't necessarily like considered favourites this year. I think really, if you're looking at the favourites for it this year, I think you'd have to say probably PSG and actually Napoli. Like, yeah, I think we would struggle against Napoli, but it's, it's more so the fact that I'm confident we would have City's number if we played them. Um, Liverpool falling apart, but they're playing Real Madrid in it. So Real Madrid, not in the best of form either. Uh, PSG, I think you mentioned it to me before. It might've been this week. You said that, our style of play could really suit playing someone like PSG. Yeah, I've I've said this before. I kind of do fancy us against PSG. I don't know why, but I think yeah. I don't know. I think they're three strikers up against five at the back, where we play it every single week. We're not playing five at the back, especially for them. Um, I think it's a good matchup for us. I really do. Yeah. That's what I think. I think we can. Um, we should be quite like quietly confident about our chances. Uh, I know Conte's got a really bad record, but. I do think our squad matches up against the other squads really well. And we have, we obviously have that ability on the counter to really hurt teams. And I think it'll be interesting if we can get through this Milan tie to see who we get and how we, um, how we go about it. Football is mad, isn't it? Because the way we're saying like, oh, I'm actually kind of scared to go away to the King power. And, uh, you know, <laughs> people are like, yeah, that show could harm us. Yeah, but but you, can, you can dream never- in the Champions League, can't you? Like yeah. you get brought back down to reality every week in the Premier League. Yeah, it's that. It is that. True. That used that encapsulated Harry Redknapp's Tottenham. By the way, we would have like the most amazing glory, glory night, and then we would just lose to Wigan. It was <laughs> yeah. that was one of the most frustrating, frustrating seasons of Sports Spurs ever. Bro, look at these greys, bro. You think <laughs> this is because like, you think this is because I'm stressing other parts of my life? I'm good. Tottenham. This is Tottenham. <laughs> It's uh yeah, it's a it's a club, it's not good for the heart. It's not good for the heart to support. Um but yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I think that's pretty much all we've got time for. Um but yeah, thanks for listening. Um I was looking at the Spotify reviews the other day. It would really help if you guys can just rate it five star just so that we pop up a bit more in like Spurs fans' feeds. But yeah, as ever, appreciate you listening. And um yeah, thank you for joining me, Eddie. Thanks, man. Cheers, Glenn. I can see you on mute, but cheers. Been a pleasure. Cheers, mate. And cheers, Jed. Thank you, buddy.